Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome, everyone, to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode, we are going to speak with an advisor to business owners who specializes in business valuation in a divorce situation. This is a topic that we've not covered before on the show, but one that I'm sure is going to generate a great deal of interest. But before we do that, let's hear from our show sponsors, JAK CPAs and Sunbelt Business Advisors. Many business owners planning a business transition feel overwhelmed and don't know where to begin. The CPAs at JAK, John A. Knutson & Company, can guide you to make sense of the numbers and tax pieces of your transition. Our firm was established over 90 years ago, and we have assisted many companies with ownership transitions. Leaving your business successfully takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at jakcpa.com. You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Corey O'Connell, who is a CPA with Boulay Group and specializes in conducting business valuations, especially in divorce situations. Corey, welcome to Poise for Exit. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. We have talked about business valuation from a couple different angles on the show in the past, but not in this kind of situation. So I'm excited to um, you know, kind of dive into this. But before we talk about this particular hot topic, how did you actually get into this? Because this is an area of expertise that you just don't find everywhere. Yes, you're right. I actually, so I, I double majored in college in accounting and finance, and I had never even heard of this, um, I guess, niche area. So my, mm -hmm. my dad is a family law attorney. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so he regularly uses, you know, real estate appraisers or business appraisers. And then I also have an uncle who does um, um, real property appraisals. So I think um, someone reached out, my, my former company I used to work for reached out and said like, hey, do you know of any CPAs we're looking to hire someone? Um, so yeah, my dad just forwarded me that email and that's kind of sort of how I fell into it. <laughs> so Boulay is your first stop. 
It's not my first stop, no. So okay. I was at, um, I started doing uh, business valuations and divorce financial services in 2012 uh, with okay. a bo- boutique valuation ter- firm in town. Okay. And then um, I went to Redpath and Company, which is another accounting firm, and then joined Boulay in September of 2020, right? During the heart mm-hmm. of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I've, I've done a lot of Zoom calls and virtual meetings. And, I know. Um, the life. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you and I met was via Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I've got a lot of respect for the folks at Boulay, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that you found a place that, that works for you. And uh, this yeah. is a topic, like I said, we have not covered this topic before. I'm sure that it just complicates the process of business valuation. So maybe we could kind of peel back the layers a little bit and you could talk with us about just um, maybe a scenario that where you've, you've had this situation come up recently. Anything that's come up recently since the pandemic? Yeah. So you're talking about just divorce in general or divorce with business? Um, yeah, divorce with business. Right. Yeah. So I, like I said, so since 2012, I've been doing, you know, business valuations on a full-time basis and then mm-hmm. also like divorce financial services. So that mm-hmm. I'm also a CPA. Um, so I regularly do like uh, marital property balance sheets, um, non-marital tracings, business valuations, cash flow projections for parties. Um, so yeah, um, a lot of my cases, even business valuations, um, a lot of times I'm doing those for shareholder disputes or for state and gift purposes or divorce purposes. Mm-hmm. So divorce, um, obviously it, or it can be a lot more complicated when there's a business involved as opposed to, you know, just two, two people who are just W2 wage earners working for, you know, 3M or something. When you add exactly. a business, another layer with the business, it just complicates things. Absolutely. Well, and I know there's a couple of distinctions too. Um, when it comes to valuation that I wanted to just clarify for our listeners. Yeah. And one was, uh, valuation date. I know that that's super important when it comes to the work that you do. And in addition to that, there's another distinction called standard of value. Could you just talk about those um, terms so that our listeners can understand what that means? Yeah. So the um, the valuation date is like this specific point in time as to when you know the value or the conclusion of value applies. So. It's also referred to as like the effective date or appraisal date. Got it. Okay. Or as of date. Um, So it's like one of my first questions to an attorney inquiring about a business valuation is, you know, what's the valuation date? Um, Mm -hmm. So by statute, I would say the valuation date in Minnesota is the the state of the first scheduled pre-hearing conference. Um, but it could be a different date if the parties agree to a different date. So maybe their first pre-hearing conference is December 10th, 2021. Well, maybe it makes more sense to have the value um, be December 31st, 2021. So if you have, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to like small businesses. So if you're producing financial statements on, you know, a monthly or quarterly, or maybe only an annual basis, you know, it makes more sense to value the business as of 1231, 2020, rather than, you know, January 8th, 2020 or something. So it's really okay. just the date as to when your value and, you know, and 
the date of valuation can have big implications. So if, if your valuation date was two weeks after you lost your biggest client, that was 90% of your revenue, the, the business is going to have a different value than if it was prior to that happening. Mm-hmm. So definitely, it, it, it might not change things at all. You know, if, if you have one date, you know, two months later, you have another date, maybe nothing changed and the value is the same. But it could have huge implications, you know, pre and post COVID. If you're valuing a restaurant, you know, pre-COVID and after COVID, like the values might be totally different if the business is even still in, in business. Mm-hmm. So uh, what about that standard of value? What does, tell us what that means. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, the, the standard of value is um, driven by the purpose of valuation. So it's really trying to ask like the question, mm. what do you mean by value or, or value to whom? Um so I would say that the standard of value and the context in which it's used really like influences the approaches and methods we use in business valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the standard of value in, in any applicable valuation will be clearly identified and defined as, as part of the engagement. And there's really four main standard of value. So fair market value, that's what I specialize in. Um, that's what we use for divorce purposes in Minnesota. That's what you use for estate and gift tax purposes. Um, there's also fair value. So many times fair value is used in like shareholder disputes. And I sort of consider it like without discounts for lack of control or lack of marketability many Mm. times, but the definitions in each state can, can vary. Um, and there's also investment value and intrinsic value. So I'd say investment value is value to like a particular buyer, you know, based on their invest and and based on their like individual requirements and expectations. So it it definitely differs from fair market value. So we cannot, when I'm doing evaluation for fair market value, you can't assume that, um, you know, the buyer is going to have potential synergies. So a, a, a particular buyer might pay more for a company than say another buyer sure. or hypothetical buyer would. Mm -hmm. Um, and then intrinsic value, it's also sort of known as like fundamental value. So that's like, maybe you're analyzing the Coca-Cola company and you think that, you know, the stock price is actually $55, but you think it should be $65. And then someday that will be the real value once, you know, other market investors come to the same conclusion as you. So is this like the method that you use, the methodology for the valuation is that, that I'm assuming that that's determined ahead of time. And it's agreed upon. Yep, exactly. So if it's um, like I said, if it's for divorce purposes, we know in mm-hmm. Minnesota the for marital dissolution for any property, um, mm-hmm. be it real estate or you know brokerage accounts or what or the like is fair market value. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for estate and gift tax purposes. So um, it's defined in the IRS Treasury re- regulations as to what that is, and Got it really it. assumes like hypothetical situation, um, you know, both parties having reasonable knowledge of the relevant facts. Um, but I do like to tell people like it is a hypothetical situation. Um, I don't think that that gets stressed enough, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a hypothetical situation and you know, you're, it's not an actual deal that's closing as you probably know better exactly. than anyone helping with exit planning. Well, and and I'm sure because of the fact that it's such a highly emotionally charged situation um, that things can maybe get a little bit skewed out of hand, 
trying to be nice in my terminology here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure that you probably, you know, you're called upon to kind of defend um, your findings, right? And, you know, when I think yeah. about, because I, I kind of went through this myself, to be honest. This was a long, long time ago. But, um, um, you know, we had to, we, we sold the business before we got divorced, but we were in the process of getting divorced. And, okay. you know, it's just, it's really tough to, to go through all of that at the same time. And, you know, we all have like our, our, um, our own opinions of how much we think we should be able to get right from the sale of a business. So how, how do you actually, I mean, obviously if there's a buy-sell agreement, you know, that's determined, you know, um, in terms of my cut, your cut, you know, whatever your percentage of value is and percentage of ownership in mine, um, whoever yeah. the partners are, maybe it's just a husband and wife team. Um, but when you've got uh, a situation where an owner, maybe they, they're, they're a stakeholder, but they don't necessarily have ownership in the business. You know, one spouse is in, one's not in, then what do you do? Yeah. And I would say, you know, related to the buy-sell agreement, it's, it's helpful to have those and, and see like maybe there's a lot of transactions happening with the buy-sell agreement, but maybe like it's, I, I wouldn't say it's dispositive as to what's the value. Okay. Um, but, but yeah. But how it's split though, right? How, how the value is split. Yeah, so you you might have a buy sell agreement, and and many times it's you know part of buy sell agreement just says go out and get an appraisal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, when you have a divorce, it's definitely complicated because one person likely probably thinks the value is very high, and one person likely thinks the value is really low. Um, so that's that's what I, I mean. That it's, it happens to me a lot. I do a lot of okay. um, lit, litigious engagements, and that's kind of. A, always what I'm dealing with. So it's like, I'm, I'm always just trying to do the same procedures, the same methodologies to kind of come to, you know, my own opinion as to what the business is, you know, how it generates revenue is if it's reliant on certain customers or, mm-hmm. um, you know, key management, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the purpose of the valuation is to tell the story of the business and to help find out because, you know, there's really only in, unless the company is publicly traded and you can just look up the stock price. The only really other way to know is to put it out on the open market and see what it sells for. Um, mm-hmm. But of course that's not like, you know, realistic in every situation and, and some businesses have a harder time selling than others. You know, they might be dependent on the owner. Um, right. For the and they may not be selling. Right. I mean, there may be one that's exactly. buying out the other. So I would think that that consistency and that practice of consistency really lends a lot of credibility and it's essential, right? You can't, you know, be doing it different for different scenarios. Yes. And I mean, that that's, that's what it is. You're just relying on the same methodologies and procedures, you know, mm-hmm. every time. And that's what makes it credible um, because it, it can be more of an art, art than a science. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And like I said, it, 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 it truly is a hypothetical situation. It's not an actual transaction. We're saying, you know, what would this, what would this business sell for to, you know, a disinterested party and even the seller? So I wouldn't sell, I wouldn't say in the, in a divorce that the person getting divorced is the seller, you know, we're saying mm-hmm. like a hypothetical and willing seller. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's again, part of like our assumptions <laughs> setting the stage for the value. Right. That makes sense. I mean, back many, many years ago when I was in the mortgage business, appraisals, on properties that didn't necessarily have a purchase agreement tied to them came in differently than an appraisal that came in with a purchase agreement. So at that point, then you know what the market will bear, right? 
Yep, and exactly. And in some ways, what I do is is very similar to real estate appraisal, which probably you know many people are more familiar with. Except that I just don't, you know, every business is totally different. You know, you can't just say like, yeah, ten houses sold in the last two years on the mm-hmm. same block, and we know how, exactly how many bedrooms and bathrooms there were and what the square footage is. You know, you so you can kind of sort of break it down to just, you know. What's the price per square foot footage? But mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, you know, for for business valuation, I would say it's, it's much more complicated because we don't have um, oh, a database yeah. of every sale. And we don't know, like, even if we did have every sale, you don't know what was driving that sale. You know, was someone, exactly. um, you know, what truly drove that sale? Well, what did the business look like before and after? Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely can be more, more of an art than a science at times. Well, and you also are dealing with other situations, like I guess I could refer to it the five Ds, right? We we talk about the five Ds in exit planning, where uh, certain situations cause triggering events like a divorce or a disagreement or dispute between partners. Um, sometimes someone dies or they become disabled, or there's a disaster, which you know pretty much everybody has kind of had to deal with since the pandemic. But there's other forms of disaster. There's cyber attack and so on. But when we're talking about disputes, you get involved in that as well, because it's probably similar to when a couple breaks up, right? Partnership disputes and those breakups can be even messier, right? Yeah, exactly. In some ways, I I treat them the same. I mean, it it Mm -hmm. might just be only the standard of value is maybe different. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, if if 50% of all privately held businesses suffer from one of the five Ds, to mm-hmm. me, planning ahead is so crucial because, I mean, truly getting a business valuation in the grand scheme of things maybe doesn't cost that much money or you get one every now and then, but it sort of helps you be prepare, prepared. You know, what happens if you get divorced? Do you have any sense of what the business is? Um, what if your uh, your your business partner dies? You know, the, the, val- the business is going to be need to be valued for estate purposes or you know, maybe a company comes to you and says, we want to buy your company for a hundred million. If, if you don't, ha- if you've never had that analysis done to me, you're kind of like behind the eight ball. Cause it's like, you would have to um, figure out a way to get the business quickly valued so you can uh, make that decision. Right. Well, and then if there's a situation as well, where you've got owner dependency, you know, where, where one, maybe one partner or, or however the ownership is split, whether it's a couple or whether it's people that are partners, Usually the dispute is caused because someone feels like someone else isn't carrying their weight, right? I mean, that's at least that's my experience. When I come across a client where their partnership disputes, it's it, that's usually underneath it all, that's usually the problem. That one wants to go in one direction, one wants to go in the other direction, and then all of a sudden they don't get along anymore. And so, but if you've got someone who wants out, but yet they are the business, then that changes the game, right? For for everybody, because it's too dependent on one particular shareholder, and and that kind of is common in small business. So, have you run into a situation yeah. like that before? And if you have, what did you do? Yeah, and and that's kind of you know when I'm doing management interviews, I'm always asking you know the question you know how and and trying to gauge how much is the business dependent on, you know, one or two people. Like if, if this person, if the business owner took a month long vacation or broke their back on a skiing trip, would the business survive? Or are they truly, they are the business, you know, cause buyers, buyers want to buy a business that can operate essentially without, 
without the former owner, of right? Course, they, yeah. Then they can, they can bring in their own person to help manage it or whatever. But if the business and all the relationships or, you know, processes and procedures are all tied up in, in one person's head, then I would say, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult for that person to, to exit the business. Um, so it, I mean, it, it does happen. And I would say those are the most challenging cases. Cause you say, you know, would someone actually buy this business? You know, if it wasn't for the owner, um, would the business just be closing down and all the employees let go? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's truly something you're always trying to ask about, engage about, and it, and it's definitely a risk of a business. So, um, it's more saleable when you can just say like, Oh, you, you know, I have all these managers that do, that do everything, but, and I'm more sort of like a board of directors or something that to me is a business that, you know, could sell probably a lot faster than something that's just totally dependent on the owner's involvement in, in the true, the day-to-day operations of the business. Right. And, and so the, the lesson learned there is, you know, turn that business that is who you are and your identity into an asset that can be sold that is not dependent upon you as an owner. Um, exactly. And, yeah. And I know that we see that issue with the smaller businesses across the country, but I got to tell you, I have plenty of clients and have had plenty of clients over the years where they weren't considered necessarily really small, right? They were lower middle market companies doing, you know, yeah. 30, 40 million a year in revenue and still dependent upon the owner. So for the owners out there who are listening, whether you're having, you know, shareholder disputes or marital problems or not, it's a super important part of transition planning is to to get yourself away from the day-to-day as much as you can because it really does impact the value of the business. And I guess I'd like to speak to uh, working collaboratively, right, Corey, with with um, advisors. So how do you derive your business primarily? Are you are you getting it from other advisors or is it from the Boulay database of clients? Yeah, work? so I'd say, I'd say I get I get plenty of internal referrals. Um, mm-hmm. I also sort of you know market my services to one you know family law attorneys and then mm-hmm. um, a lot of it to like probate attorneys. So if they have clients that own businesses mm-hmm. and and they and they die, so yeah. And I, and I mean I'm always trying to expand my network. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, mortgage brokers or real estate professionals or people like yourself or banking relationships, to me, it's just like, um, you know, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. But yeah, I would I would mm-hmm. definitely say, you know, internal referrals from just our business owning clients at, at Boule, um, and then a lot of family law attorneys as well, especially for the divorce financial services and then the business valuations related to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully those advisors that are out there listening to this show are going to ping you and want to contact and get to know you and network with you. So what's the best way for our listeners to reach you, Corey? Um, well, I would say I'm I'm really active on LinkedIn, or at least I try to be. Okay. Um, so you can look me up that way. Or I, I mean, my, my telephone number is 952-841-3025 or my email C O'Connell O C O N N E L L at bouletgroup.com. Perfect. Well, we will make sure to put those in the show notes so that people can get a hold of you. This is a very important topic, and I think I don't know about you, but um, it seems that the pandemic has kind of caused some upheaval in relationships across the board. 
And, yes, uh, I mean, right. Having was your two, phone ringing more? Having two, young, having two young kids of my own, I know how hard it was when, when daycare uh, was close, and uh, my wife and I were working seven days a week at very odd hours just to get in like the minimum time uh, we could. It was a tough time, and I mean, yes, obviously, mm-hmm. when when people reach my desk, I sort of think of it's a good thing because they have their whole life to look forward, and my job is to help them, you know get divorced, help distill mm-hmm. financial information so that they mm-hmm. can kind of move on their lives. So I, mm-hmm. I don't see that negative sometimes. It's, it's a positive in my mind. I think I remember us talking about that a while ago, and I love that. Um, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, a USP or a distinction on your part as a professional that you're really there to help them move forward. And Yes, whatever happened, it wasn't yeah. working or it didn't yeah. work. And it's like... Mm-hmm. You know, why be miserable? You know, you have your whole life ahead of you. Exactly. But we have to have things and, to look forward to. <laughs> and it's a super emotional process. And I would say, mm-hmm. like, that's part of my job is to just be independent. And, you know, it's something I do on a full-time basis. So I'm just trying to advise my clients based on, you know, my knowledge and, of course, the attorney's knowledge as well. Yeah. And the collaborative approach is super important. So, Corey, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom. Um, Again, this has been a topic we haven't covered in the past. We should have you back again and uh, share some stories, some success stories. And for our listeners, you can find this and all of our previous episodes on the Poised for Exit website at poisedforexit.com, where you can also order a copy of my book. Please do share this program with your business owner friends and colleagues. We really appreciate you following and subscribing and sharing with the people in your life. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and please join us again next time.